VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 632, recorded on November 30th, 2021. Welcome to the 632nd edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 465th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Dinser. I am Scott Jerk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on gaming news from around the industry. And no gaming flashback. Sorry, it's an artifact from last week. So, uh, TJ, what have you been playing? Uh... I cracked open Returnal recently. I actually hadn't played that game when it came out earlier this year, and uh, so I jumped in and gave it a go. That's a that game is kind of a horror game. That could be taken many ways. It's it's got a lot of suspense going on, and it's got a lot of uh, sort of like horror ele- horror elements in it, like body horror, the, this foreign world that like you don't understand at all, oh. that's really creepy and really, 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 really hostile. Oh, I thought you were saying there, it was the horror of paying $60 for a $25 game. You're insane. That game is actually pretty dang good. Yeah, it has nothing to do with good. It has to do with scope. It's a $25 to $30 game. That's not true at all. Yeah. How much did Dead Cells cost? Uh, Dead Cells doesn't have that level of graphics or control to it. They could. Um, A, Dead Cells could if they wanted to. It's, it's an aesthetic <laughs> choice. By the way, speaking of Dead Cells, uh, I believe there's an expansion coming out today for Dead Cells. Uh, yes, they uh, they brought a whole bunch of other indie games into uh, into their game, like Hollow Knight stuff, Skull the Hero Slayer. Uh, they brought a blast. They brought some blasphemous uh, gear into their um you can get the you can get the scary helmet <laughs> but um yeah but uh yeah, it's called the queen in the sea dlc yeah well oh no i didn't know about that one I, no I it's a new it's a new expansion that just came out today the queen in the sea dlc oh uh, actually it's not oh. coming out today it's coming out in 22 22 22 they announced it today oh okay I was going to say, because the one they just put out was the one where they brought a whole bunch of indie game stuff and the Everyone is Here patch. No, this one is bringing in uh, two new uh, biomes, uh, the Invested Shipwreck and the Lighthouse. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, like... It's I, also... I like the Queen is is the new um, final boss. Nice. I like Returnal, though. Like, the, the level of, like... The, the level of gunplay, melee, movement... All that jazz for a roguelike, it feel it all feels good for that for that particular yeah. genre. Like it is a roguelike. It is the kind of game where like you die and then things shift to different, and nev- nothing is the same when you go back. And uh, I enjoy the it, they like they took some notes from Hades because like the story keeps moving forward every time you die, or whether you die or you succeed, the story keeps moving forward, and um. I can see why a lot of people liked this game when it came out earlier this year. Uh, but, uh, and then they, 
like I know one of the biggest gripes about it was that you couldn't like you couldn't stop in the middle of a run, but they added a suspend state to it since, so I kind of missed out on that outrage. Oh, okay. Um, but I've also been playing the heck out of Guilty Gear Strive because they just released a new character today. Oh, jeez. Um, I don't think it takes much for you to play Guilty Gear Strive. <laughs> the new character is really, really good though. His name is Happy Chaos. He's the antagonist of the of the story mode. He's a gunslinger, um, and it comes with all sorts of different like mechanics to him that like make him one of the most awkward, but also one of the most interesting characters I've played in that game yet. He looks like um, a uh, he looks like a Batman uh, a, a type uh, superhero. He uh, his his title is like the most teenage goth thing I've ever heard, which is uh, the gunslinger broken messiah. <laughs> Oh wow, poor Edge Lord. <laughs> well, he has he has the white anime hair and the leather jacket and the straps for for the gun at his hip and Yep, Edge Lord. Mhm. <laughs> I'm not sure he's, he's an Edge Lord. He's he's fun he's, though. His whole his whole point is uh he doesn't care if he wins or loses as long as things are fun. Uh he looks more he looks more like anime classic. Mhm. They, uh, he is more than his edgelord look. I'll say that. But, um, I enjoy him. He's, he's got an interesting combat style and, uh, he has maybe one of the most stylish supers that I've seen for any of the characters. He just basically creates portals around his opponent wherever they are and fires into one portal that comes out of all of those portals at once. It I love this descript- this description of him. The reason he causes turmoil is due to him loving the emotional part of today's immature culture. <laughs> yes. As humans pursue efficiency, they become mechanical and lose emo once it arrives. <laughs> yes, his whole point is making humanity still be human by uh, by doing terrible things to them. But um, he's a fun character. Like I'm, I'm really gonna have. It's gonna take a while for me to learn him because I have to unlearn a bunch of patterns that I, like, I have the muscle memory for, and they don't work on him. So I'm going to have to figure out how to unlearn those things and create new muscle memory for him. He's not entirely a new character. He's been in previous Guilty Gears. He's only been in story mode in previous Guilty Gears. He's never been a playable character until now. Yes. He made his first appearance at the end of Guilty Gear Exerd, which uh, it was only in the story mode, and he never got to. We never got to play him, so this was uh, this. This is his first debut. There can only be yeah. one debut. Yeah, well, this is his first, first play- playable debut. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm having a blast. I uh, I enjoyed playing that character all day today, and uh, I'm gonna look forward to. It. I want to. I want to try to make him my main if I can. Really? Yes. He has a tricky, like trolley style that I kind of like when when it comes to my character play. Uh, plus he plus he uh, is a zoner, which I enjoy the zoners in Guilty Gear a lot. So, Scott, what have you been playing? I have finished uh, Cold Steel Four. Okay, finally. Um, Yes, I know. It was a very long journey, but it was worth it. Uh, it definitely, the hype uh, for it was that, you know, this was the, like, uh, Avengers Infinity War where everything comes together, and it, and it certainly did. 
and it really delivered a epic uh, ending to a very long saga. Um, so now so you can enjoy that, Happy Home Paradise now. Um, well, the, the characters uh, certainly feel that they have gotten, you know, they've won and that they get time to relax and. No, 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 uh, no, 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 no. That's not what I was talking. I think I was saying, are you finally going to be able to uh, to enjoy the Happy Home Paradise DLC for Animal Crossing? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm playing that. Uh, I've been exploring that. Uh, sorry, I misunderstood what you said. Uh, anyways, but I, yeah, I've uh, I've decorated a few houses and I've gotten Pokey, uh, which is a, a currency only used at the uh, Happy Home uh, decorating place, and you can buy items. Uh, there's a apparently a musical festival that happens on the island every Monday. Um, you know, they built up over the weekend kind of thing. Uh, so they, they've added, added a lot of stuff to the Animal Crossing. I've been collecting castle parts so I can build an actual castle and not just use silos and partition walls to look like a castle. Does that game have holiday content? Quality content? Holiday content. Oh, yeah, yeah. It does. It has Christmas stuff, Halloween, Thanksgiving, uh, 4th of July. I was just wondering because it seems like the sort of game that would have it. Oh, yeah, it does. I'm also wondering, and I think other people are too, that since they did the last free content, will it be future paid content? Like, you know, you can buy uh, a Zelda, um, you know, anniversary thing later on or or other stuff through uh, Amiibo cards. Uh, so I, I wonder if there'll be future paid updates later. Um, but the other game I've also been playing uh, has been Eastward. I continued that from the first chapter. And boy, does that game get dark fast. You know, you, you think you're just going to go on a Miyazaki adventure and explore the world. But no, there's darkness there. And um, I don't know if I want to spoil it because I think TJ's going to play this, right, TJ? Which one? Eastward. Uh, Eastward. Eastward. I've been playing that game. I actually want to finish it this year. Okay. This year? I'm, I'm going to finish, finish that one over Christmas break. Okay. I'm, I'm on Chapter 3, so I don't know if you've gotten that far yet. Yeah, it's no big deal. I, I am I am enjoying the game, but like I wouldn't worry if you wanted to talk about it. Okay, because uh, I was just very surprised. In Chapter 2, you go to a town, Greenberg, and it's in the forest, and this is after you've come out of the uh, underground town and you've uh, gotten away from the mayor because he was apparently it would seem apparently lying that the surface was he was saying it was covered in maizma and that was uh, ruined and then you come out and there's this beautiful forest there's a little town there and they're growing wheat and other stuff and they're like oh wow you know welcome outsider and you uh, you decide to stay there and you know help them out and uh, you go hunting this uh, little nuisance flying pig thing, and he he takes you, he, you you end up in this little factory, and you accidentally activate stuff, and it says Nazmo will be released in seven hours, so you kind of screw over this town uh, basically, and you don't tell them that there's this thing happening. I guess the main character John or the main male character at any rate, John doesn't apparently talk, and it might be, he might have a, a reason why he can't talk. It might not just be uh, silent protest. You do know this, this is a game developed by Chucklefish, right? Yes. 
Okay. Then you should not uh, be you should not be surprised by some of the dark storyline. <laughs> I mean, I guess I am. I don't know. Uh, I mean, these are the same guys who did Starbound. Yeah. All right. I, well, anyways, it, it surprised me because you know you never know. Each game is different. Uh, also, so they did Stardew you know, Valley. Yeah, well, Stardew Valley. They published nice. Star. They published Stardew Valley. They published. Right. I didn't say they made um, it. Um, right, they, they published. I forget what other game they made. Um, Time Spinner, Wargroove, right. Pathway, Witchbrook, Inmost. Inmost is dark. I'm, but basically, I'm enjoying this game. I've 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 been challenged at a few parts, and um, I'm enjoying the story. I want to see where this goes, and I like that. You know, it's it's there's. You know, some some bad stuff happened, and I think you're gonna try to redeem the character. Uh, it's very it's very interesting. It's a good story. Uh, it should be a lot shorter than the Cold Steel, um, but uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I haven't played any new games, but I do plan on starting to play Kill It with Fire. It's an indie game that's on Game Pass, and which in which you have to kill spiders. Right. <laughs> Have you you know you knew Kill It with Fire, don't you, TJ? Yes. Okay. Have you played it? I have not. Okay. It's that's the one with the the, spi- the, the spiders. spiders, right? Yeah, and you have to kill them with fire. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like the uh, sequel of sorts to uh, 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 oh damn it, I can't believe I forgot the name of it. That other game with spiders. Mm, I don't know. Oh, you saw, yeah, grounded. Yeah, <laughs> except you're bigger than the spiders in this game. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think it's sort of like arachnophobia. You just have to figure out because it's it's part action, part puzzle, and you're trying to figure out a way to kill these spiders. But you're a human sized. So anyway, that's the next thing I'm going to try. And um, I've stopped doing the Halo Infinite uh, multiplayer. Not because it's bad, it's really, really, really good, but I'm just waiting for December 8th to roll around. Uh, there have been more and more videos being popping up about Halo Infinite, and they just released the new campaign launch trailer, which is similar to another trailer, but this really shows, and my god, did they use that extra year to really bump up the graphics? It looks amazing. Yes. That game is uh, turning out to be quite a peach. Like, it, it they... They've turned it around. A lot of people that I know that were sour on that, on Halo Infinite, are finally coming around on it. Yeah. And I've always been about the single player more than the multiplayer. It helps that the multiplayer has been really good. Like, I think the only thing that I keep hearing about the multiplayer, other than the fact that the gameplay is good, is that people are mad about the progression system, which... Yeah, they actually have news about that. Um, They have now changed it so that the first few times you play, you get a boost in, X- in XP per day. Sort of like an MMO yeah. sort of thing. Um, I have no idea what they did with the shotgun. I haven't been playing lately. I know that you, among other people, have been disappointed with the shotgun. It's horrible. It's a horrible gun. There are, <laughs> other, good, there are other much better guns that make up for it, but it's still a horrible shotgun. It would, uh, like... Compared to the Halo One, Two, and Three shotgun, it doesn't even have it doesn't deserve to be in that world. Uh, my only complaint about multiplayer really is um, I want to be able to play the game I want to play. It doesn't have to be ranked either. You know, I just want to play. Um, I, if I do big team battle, I want to do capture the flag. 
I don't want to do um, domination. You know, I, I want to have because those games have roles, you know. And I uh, I also don't like single flag capture the flag. I prefer dual flag because there's a lot more strategy in that. Because basically, I like being support. I like being able to guard the flag and get points doing that. I'm not as adventurous going after the flag. I just get myself a nice short range weapon and just ambush people. That's kind of a thing that I. That's another thing that I've heard is that they just don't have single mode playlists at all. Yeah, but here's the thing: it's still in beta. People think it was right. released early. No, it wasn't released early. It was released. It was, it was just open beta for everybody. You know, they just opened up the beta for everybody. Uh, the actual release is going to be December eighth, and it's going to be interesting to see how they change the multiplayer when there's actual release, and which is what I'm. That's why I'm not playing. You know. Fortunately, all progression done during this period is going to carry over to launch. So it's not like, oh, you're just doing the beta. Okay, everything's, you know, reset. No, that's not the way it is. I am actually tempted to spend money to get the helmet that I had in Halo 5. It's a buggy helmet. It's just a large uh, a large visor that covers from the from the chin to the top of the head. It makes it you look like sort of a bug. And... um. So there's that. And like I said, you know, oh, and I'm really hoping they do firefight well, because I believe there will be a firefight of some sort. And that's always been my jam too. just do firefight on the hardest levels. I do like the idea of the tactical. They, they've got a tactical mode coming up in which like your team, you'll have a team, but n- not everybody will have access to every weapon. You'll kind of be in roles with certain guns. So, kind of have to work around whatever role you're given. I, I don't know if it's like you get to pick a role or if you're assigned one, but it did sound interesting. Like as far as like the idea of, of characters that are assigned roles and have to make the best of those particular styles. Also something that brings a tear to my eye is that if you play the multiplayer, you go and if you're doing the training, you go to the every J Johnson Memorial military Academy. So they, 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 they named uh they named uh, uh, the military academy after Johnson, which is sort of sweet. For those who don't know, he was killed by Guilty Spark in Halo 3. Mm-hmm. So he's famed in the story. Other than that, I really haven't been playing much. I've been playing State of Decay a lot because I'm trying to get achievements and making the game harder and harder. Um, I've been playing on Legendary, which is one down from Lethal. And uh, yeah, the game is unforgiving at that level. It is just absolutely unforgiving. So anyways... Um, we're going to move on to uh, game news. Bethesda shows another brief tease of, of Starfield, and this comes for us from Eurogamer. Starfield, Bethesda's big upcoming foray into sci-fi for PC and Xbox Series XS, has been shown off again in a fresh video. The seven-minute mini-documentary is full of teases for Starfield's world. There are a few glimpses of alien planets, ships, and robots, as well as a lot of Todd Howard talking. Howard says, You always have a step-out moment into the world, reflecting on Bethesda's games of old. Now technology's changed, we've changed, so our expectations with loading up a game is like, okay, we're going to step out into this moment. Us being able to do that and have a feel new every generation, every game, is something we feel special about what we do. I like to say Starfield has two step-out moments, Howard added, and that's cryptic. More importantly, one piece of concept art suggests you'll be able to have a pet cat, as the picture there shows, and I hope they didn't name the cat Cat Meat. I'm sure you could probably name the cat whatever you want. Well, you couldn't name your dog, 
and his name is always Dogby. Here's the thing, though. Uh, when they say the step out, I know what they're talking about. Like in Fallout 3, remember Fallout 3, the first time you stepped out of the vault, it's like the sun just shined and then it just showed this this desolate, beautiful uh, wasteland I, apocalypse. I stepped out at night. It was nighttime for me. Really? I've never. I didn't. I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know it was possible to step out at night. Everybody. Everybody said, "Oh, you're gonna see the sun." I stepped out and it was the middle <laughs> of the night. I saw stars and huh. I saw just dead decay around me. I think there was a scorpion nearby. Oh uh, God! So I, I didn't get sunblasted. I got night. You got scorpion blasted. What are scorpions doing near the first entrance? <laughs> I have no idea. But yeah, but they always have that. Uh, the one game that doesn't have that is Elder Scrolls V, which is why it bores the tears out of me, because that's where you're just in a cart that's moving. The most boring opening of any Bethesda game. Even even um, Oblivion, in which you're, you open up in, in a jail, and and um, Patrick Stewart says, you're the one I've seen in my dreams. At least when you pop out of the dungeon, you, it's like it reveals this, this valley with trees and stuff like that. I I didn't find the Skyrim opening boring. It was I thought like, it boring. I I, boring. I I mean I thought it was tense because you're immediately up for execution and. So were you? You, you were also that in Daggerfall. You were also that in in Oblivion. And then the dragon attacked. And then the dragon yeah. attacked. Yeah, but that was. And then the dragon attacked. Yeah. Yeah, but that isn't the stuff. But that I I. It's just when when you exit for the first time, whatever it is, and you just open up to the vista. It's like that's the shining moment. Um. Trying to think, Fallout Four was a reverse of that. Fallout Four, you're in, a, you're in the neighborhood. The step out moment is actually the step in moment when the nuclear blast happens, just as you're going into the vault. So that's a reverse, a step out. That's a step in. I, I saw this video too, and I thought it was very interesting, and I liked a lot of the things Ta- Todd Howard was saying and how he wanted uh, you to feel like when you're playing the game, you're doing something, you're accomplishing something and he's like when you when you play the game what did you do today you know and they said like save the world kind of thing but like there are other things that you could be doing too and that you might accomplish and you might find and and it was also remarking how everybody's experience with this was with the game was different because there's so many different things to do and that your journey will be different to other people's journey and that makes the game that more precious because that's like your own experience well, that's what people said about Mass Effect, that it was a water cooler game, and you said, my shepherd did this, and my shepherd did that, and it would often right. be two completely different stories. One other thing about the picture that I'm, I'm noticing is that he, it seems like your character might be a dad, because uh, you have a girl who's a teenager in a t-shirt and shorts and barefoot and holding up what looks like a futuristic cell phone at you. And um, I think it's supposed to imply, yeah, you're in this NASA-like area, but it's also very domestic. I mean, he has a he has a potted plant on his desk, and he also has a, a backpack with a monkey strapped to it I, and, and a cowboy hat. <laughs> yes, that's true. I, <laughs> wait, no, that's like a ro- it's a that's a robot with a monkey. Uh, oh, it is a robot. Yeah, but it's still a monkey on his back with a cowboy hat. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's it's giving this idea that yeah it's going to be outer space yeah it's going to be realistic yeah it's going to be very NASA but it's also going to be very lived in and domestic you know like yes what happens when that technology becomes the normal and there's a star field outside so I don't know if they're actually on the planet or if it's nighttime or if they're in space 
But I like the fact that you have a cat in your spaceship. Mm-hmm. That is certainly interesting. I think I would almost rather have the cat named Cat Meat than, like, Jonesy. <laughs> oh, I don't Jonesy think it's going to would... be called Jonesy. That would be too on the nose. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Halo like... is treading... Halo, the original Halo, was was, was deeply imitating aliens. They had their own apone. They had their own head crabs. There was something like that, though, like in a few of the other Fallout games where it was like way on the nose references to other sci-fi stuff. I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, here's the thing. They're talking around it, but I I don't know if they've actually said this, but it seems like the world, the world, the universe, is going to be a lot larger than it normally is if they say that everybody's going to have a different experience. Every time that they've talked about this game, they've said it's like, I think at least two and a half times the size of the Skyrim map. And that makes me wonder, just each each planet map, or is it for the entire... Because this takes place on different planets, and you have different cities on each planet. And I'm wondering how much of the planet you can explore. I mean, we saw with the Outer Wilds, it was sort of big, but not, you know, not, 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 not astoundingly so for each, uh, for each planet. I never finished the Outer Worlds. I just got bored from it. It's got a good ending on it. I suppose actually it depends because you have so many choices you can make in that game. You can actually choose to side with the company, which is extremely stupid because the company has been depicted as incompetent. So what? Why would you help them? Well, there's also a twist on it that like makes a makes a difference as far as just like the companies, the the people that are not part of the companies, and the relationship to like Earth. it's it. I think it makes it more interesting. You might disagree. I don't know. It's it's good. I, I like the ending of that game. I like the way it twists. Oh, I know is that I would have liked it if Microsoft told uh, 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 Obsidian, hey, can you help out with Starfield a little bit? Well, now they've got a vowed. They're making their own. Uh, they're making their own. Yeah, Skyrim. they're making a bunch of stuff. They're making the Outer Worlds too. They're making avowed. Is it unavowed yeah, or avowed? Yeah, that's the other thing. They they um they said or I think I forget who it was at Microsoft said that Avowed was a more serious game and that uh, the Elder Scrolls was going to be a bit like Fable tongue in cheek and I didn't know if I liked hearing that. No, I mean if you want to know the gosh darn truth, Elder Scrolls has always been a bit tongue in cheek to begin with. Um, yeah, but they also have massive games. Fable is supposed to be big and uh, let's not forget about Perfect Dark, which is which Microsoft is calling a quadruple A game. And go ahead. I was going to say, all I know is that if, if even, you know what, even if it happens in the game at all, if somebody in Elder Scrolls six even starts to say, I took an arrow in the knee, that guy's getting a claymore in the face. <laughs> well, what if, um, what if, uh, someone comes up and say, Kajit wants a skooma. You know, well, no, the, the correct term is Khajiit has wares if you have coin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's the one who talks about – but Khajiit talk about skooma, right? They do talk about skooma. They they make this stuff. But but uh, I love my Khajiits. I would never kill a Khajiit. And, and moon sugar. <laughs> I think that was the other thing, moon sugar. Mm-hmm. Do you ever play an Argonian? No, I have not played the, the lizard people. I have either. One, one thing – that's the thing. Yeah, no one ever plays the lizard people. You know, No one plays Argonians. And it's not for like the lack that they don't have good stuff because they they are poison resistant and they can breathe underwater. I don't know. Maybe people just don't want to play Gorn. I don't know. I, I think. Well, I mean, a lot of people. There were people that felt if you were going to be a Dragonborn, you might as well be Argonian. That that would make more sense. 
uh, I played as a red guard. Okay. And I've always played yeah. as a Breton because I like doing the magic thing. Yeah, I get the stamina boost. That that's pretty useful. And I guess playing as a Nord would make sense too because you're in Skyrim and you can have frost resistance, so that should help you. Yeah. There. The other thing is that um, when you play a Nord, they're even more suspicious of you because they think you're even more of a rebel than you actually are. If you play an Imperial or a Breton, they sort of pity you, like, oh, you got caught up in this shit. We're sorry. They know you're innocent, but your head's got to go. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't know what quite to expect from Starfield. I was hoping it would be something like Elite Dangerous or Star Citizen in which, you know, you're set off into the universe. But if it's a crafted universe and it's just open, quote unquote, open world, then I'm fine with it. Um it seems to be like it's going to be really deep. But here's the thing. Every time Bethesda comes out with an open world game, it's sort of like, please don't be another Fallout. Please don't be another Elder Scrolls because I'm starting to get deadly tired of them. I could not. I, I I played Fallout 4 once to completion, and that was it. I tried multiple times to play it again, and I just don't have the patience for it anymore. It's just... Well, I did hear that like each of the worlds that they've shown so far is the size of Skyrim, supposedly. Okay. Um, I don't know how on the rails it'll be. I, I mean, if it's open world and they want you to go out... It's and, open world. It's just yeah, that you travel to they all these... Want, they want you to go out and have your own experience then. They don't want to put you on a rail. So you could try to focus on the main story if you wanted to and just not bother with side content. That's, now, here's, that's here's, the, my, um, here's my speculation... He talks about two step out moments, right? Um, I think the second, here's the thing. I think a big part of the game is going to be sort of like No Man's Sky in which you, something happens, you're stuck on the planet and the entire part of it is getting off that planet. Right. They mentioned, uh, and, uh, you know, defying the Earth's gravity is a big moment or a big. Yeah. Um, and I think event. when you finally get out into space, that's going to be the other step out moment. When you finally. Yeah, I agree with that. And if you're going to have family with you, that even makes it even more exciting and more of a, you know, of an urgency because you're, it's not just you on the world, like no man's, uh, no man's sky. It's you and you have your family and you have your cat. <laughs> you don't want to yeah. be stranded with your cat out in space. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that. And you need to get to the next world before you run out of supplies sort of thing. Oh, now, you know what? Guess what, TJ? Now I ho- do hope the pet cat is named Jonesy. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, the art and, and everything so far just seems more about, you know, that, that infancy, that innocence and in, in entering this, this this space world and just the... Not, not too innocent, because we've, we've seen descriptions of two of the cities, and one of them is sort of like hyper Las Vegas, you know? And a lot of these cities are the dregs. So it's not that innocent. Uh, but you know, hey, if you're playing know, a dad, like, you're playing a dad in this game. I'm all right with that. You know, because I saw the cover, the, the, that cover art. Like, I, I, I mean, I don't know if cover is really the right word, but basically the art where there's a guy in a helmet and there's a girl looking up into space, and it just, it just feels, it just gives that air of an innocent kind of game where you're uh, just exploring space. I don't, I don't feel any nefarious. Although I'm pretty sure there's nefarious stuff going on, but in this case, you're playing a dad. I think it it all boils down to the fact that, unlike the other games, you're actually playing a dad from the very start, and you have dad responsibilities. 
And mm-hmm. if you're a nefarious dad. I don't know. Maybe you could become a nefarious dad. But it's also uh, – here's the thing. It's also very um, industrial, very workmanlike. Your your guy isn't a – looks – it feels like he's just a miner. You know, he's like a, a grunt, a miner, someone who does menial work in space. You know, mm-hmm. he's not a scientist. He's not a um, – he's not a captain or at least, you know, he's not in the military. It's just a guy who's working in space. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to the next item. Take it away, TJ. I know you love this item. (laughs) Kodak reportedly says he'll consider leaving if he can't fix Activision Blizzard's culture problems. By the way, um, I just have to say that um, we did not do a podcast last week because it was Thanksgiving. And this item came out last week. So we're doing it now. Yeah. Yeah. The Activision Blizzard Board of Directors is currently under pressure, not just from employees, but from large sections of the video game industry, about the decision it will make regarding CEO Bobby Kotick. A new report from the Wall Street Journal now claims that he he has told the board that he will consider leaving if he can't fix the issues regarding sexual misconduct at the company. Kotick reportedly held a meeting with senior managers of the company last Friday. Uh, sources were fam- that were familiar with the, the, his comments mentioned that Kodak said he would consider leaving if he couldn't quickly fix the company culture at Activision Blizzard. Following the initial lawsuit by the state of California for toxic workplace culture, it was revealed that Kodak allegedly knew about the sexual harassment and co- toxic workplace culture in the, within the company for years. He protected the offenders and ensured that lawsuits against him and the company were settled quickly and quietly, according to Wall Street Journal's report. The re- this revelation was be- er, this revelation was met with immediate backlash. Petitions were launched not only by employees but also the general public, calling for his immediate removal by the board. The public petition has amassed over 22,900 signatures, while the one by Activision Blizzard employees has reached almost 1,800 signatures. Activision's board seems to be trying to con- to defend Kodak. The company reportedly held an internal call to address the allegations against the CEO. It seems that the zero-tolerance policy put in place by Kodak after the initial lawsuit would not apply to him, as the company did not have evidence of any claims made against him. Strangely, the call was led by management, and questions were pre-screened as well. An extended Thanksgiving break was also announced, according to reports, presumably in an attempt to cool tensions amongst employees this guy is a complete and utter piece of shit on every single level oh well like, yeah kotaku actually uh, talked about an art had an article released a couple of days ago about this but you know what here's the thing um when you have a uh a, a ceo brags that he wants to instill fear mistrust and what was it fear mistrust and uh, i don't know but it, yeah uh, how in the world did this company ever have a toxic, uh, uh, toxic workplace with with a leadership like that? And like the fact of the matter is, there is stuff on record. One of the a part of the story was that there was a, a an executive, the the one of the dudes that uh, I think Sled, no was it Sledgehammer? It was one of the Call of Duty higher ups who was hit with sexual harassment allegations. And they were the the uh, the Activision Blizzard wanted to fire him, and Kodak stepped in and stopped the firing. <laughs> here's here's the quote. Listen, we have a re- this is from 2009. We have a real culture of thrift. 
the go ahead in bringing a lot of pack of the live package goods folks in, into Activision about 10 years ago was to take all the fun out of making video games. And I want to instill a, I want to instill a culture of skepticism, pessimism and fear in the midst of a recession. Does that sound like someone you'd want to work for? He is awful, and he surrounded himself with people that are awful on that board, to the point where one thing that's not mentioned in this story is that even there are even some investors that are saying, get the fuck out, get him the fuck out, we, he is ruining this company. Because since, like the, since allegations have been coming out, Activision Blizzard's stock has kind of taken a plummet. Yeah, I mean, he's been, he's been backing Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and um, through donations, Donald Trump, for the most part. So, yeah. Yeah. There, every, every, it seems like every two weeks or so, I would think to myself, well, it couldn't get possibly any worse than this. And then, like, <laughs> the next thing happened. All the way up into, uh, all the way up to and including uh, him threatening to kill one of his employees. The other thing we have to talk about is during that week, uh, first Sony said, uh, we're going to start thinking about the things that are going on in Activision Blizzard and Bobby Kotick. Then Microsoft, uh, Phil Spencer said they were going to start reevaluating their dealings with Activision. And then Nintendo said, uh, yeah, we're going to be taking a look at this. So you have Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo all saying, hmm, obliquely telling Activision to get rid of him. <laughs> yep. And then it all led up to the ESA said it. Uh, the uh, the ESA made a statement on it too. So yeah, um, I think at this point Bobby Kotick is just trying to figure out how to get out with a with a golden parachute. He is a rat that is literally trying to drag. All, he's he's just trying to eat as much as he can before they finally shove him off the ship. See, there are people who are incompetent, like John Ricciatello, who used to run EA. And Don Matrick, uh, was the, who used to run Microsoft's Xbox division, uh, you're wondering why Microsoft almost doubled down on having an online-only machine with with uh, Connect. That's Don Matrick's doing. And uh, once Don Matrick was gotten rid of, Phil Spencer came in and said, "No, no, no, no. We're going to do a lot of. We got to. We got to reverse this. We're going to do a lot of uh, consumer-friendly shit." Which is always nice because every time a company is in trouble like Sony or Microsoft, that usually leads them immediately doing a lot of consumer-friendly stuff, which we all benefit from. Um, Sony's on top, and now they're doing some really shitty stuff again. You know, and, uh, well, Nintendo's always done shitty stuff, and they haven't stopped. <laughs> mm-hmm. don't, don't try to have a um, charity-run Super Smash Bros. Melee uh, uh, competition in which none of the... Um, None of the no one gets a profit. It's all for charity. But since they're using um, something to make it be online during the pandemic. Yeah. And Nintendo says, no, we're going to send our lawyers after you. Yeah. There's hope for Smash Brothers esports. Here's the thing. No matter how much Nintendo threatens, you know, it's like people are, are, are getting around them. You know, it's sort of like this is too good an idea. Here's the thing that I, <sighs> Nintendo. Have you looked at Valve lately? Something we'd said this last time. When Valve sees someone doing like a Dota or a Left 4 Dead or something we like to call Portal or Team Fortress 2, 
You know what they do? They hire the motherfuckers and say, okay, we want you to do this, but make it for us. We want in on this action. So you can do this. We'll pay you, and we'll also have you officially published, and you'll get our marketing too. I don't think Nintendo understands that concept. Well, they're doing something with – I mean, at least at the very least, they're doing something with uh, with Smash Bros. next year. They uh, partnered – This is, I don't know if you saw this, but they partnered up with Panda Global and uh, are going to be launching a circuit of uh, Smash Bros. Ultimate and Smash Bros. Melee tournaments in 2022. And the reason why that <sighs> matters is because Nintendo hates – hates acknowledging melee hates it they hate it they would rather bury that game and make everyone play ultimate because they can't stand the idea of people playing the old stuff um uh, here's the thing so, you know I, I i'm having uh grand theft auto uh with three remaster flashes in my head right now and that because you know whatever whatever uh net code they're going to use it's going to be shitty and only for japan well, no, this is going to be like in-person tournaments. Oh no, but here's the thing. Yeah, fucking, we're talking about we're talking about now when there's a pandemic going on. You know, people want to be able to play online, and they say, "No, fuck you." They're finally getting back to doing live events, and like the CEO is this coming weekend where they're going to where they're taking a lot of precautions. Where I'm not. Yeah, but that's not that's not, not the I'm same not thing as I know. But here's the thing: when you you can have a worldwide tournament if it's online. Except you can't for Smash Bros. because the netcode is bad. No, but the, here's the thing. The reason why Nintendo was suing them is because they were using their own netcode, which was super fast. And that's the problem. I'm saying, all I'm saying is that they're partnering with Panda Global for an actual tournament series in 2022. And I hope – because Panda Global is a good esports company. They're a good crew when it comes to the fighting game scene. And hopefully Nintendo will continue to listen to them. <laughs> and consider what players actually want out of a tournament series. It's yeah, it's but... telling that it's telling that they included melee in this tournament circuit, for as much as Nintendo has never done that in the past. So if I trust Panda Global with esports stuff, I hope Nintendo does too, because if they want to have a successful series, they will. Yeah, but they're no. Here's the problem. Um... Satoru Iwata is no longer there with his Blue Ocean strategy. Um, there's a lot of people who think that Nintendo's just going to one more two uh, generations and they're just going to get out of the video game business altogether. Because it's not worth it. Mm. Because right now it's being run by... Here's the thing. When it was under Satoru Iwata, it was being run by a guy who was in love with video games and loved uh, and, and developed them. The people who are running Nintendo now are pure businessmen. They're on bottom line right now, so mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. But uh, anyways, let's get back to Bobby Kotick. <laughs> I, I I'm wondering. Uh, do you think he? You think he, when do you think he'll be gone? Do you think before 2022 or after? Um, I think that there's going to be blood at the next uh, shareholder meeting. Uh, when they do their annual shareholder meeting, which I think is in either it's either going to be in March. March or it's going to be in June. Well, March is the uh, is the opening of the new t- uh, new financial year. So if that if that's the case, if investors are still super pissed off, I think they're going to I think they're going to scrap Kodak. And if the board tries to defend him, I think they'll scrap the board as well. I'm wondering, uh, now is is the uh, lawsuit by California still going on? 
Yes, they have not settled that. Okay, so that's the other thing. This the, the lawsuit might accelerate things if they come to a decision quickly. Because hmm. you know, here's the thing. You know what? I hope Bobby Kotick enjoys having his reputation in the trash. Not that it already wasn't, but it, the karma is a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to move on to the next item. Go ahead, Scott. Uh, Minecraft 1.18 Caves and Cliffs Update Part 2 was officially available on all platforms. This is from Windows Central. Many Minecraft players have closely following the development of Caves and Cliffs Update since its initial reveal during Minecraft Live 2020. The gargantuan and ambitious release uh, was originally intended to be one update, but Mojang Studios made the decision to split the Caves and Cliffs Update into two halves, delayed the second half, Today, 1.18 Caves and Cliffs Update Part 2 officially began, began rolling out to Minecraft players everywhere. While Part 1 included many of the new blocks and mobs of Caves and Cliffs Update, the 1.18 is arguably a much bigger deal. One of the biggest single additions to Minecraft with the release in addition to brand new cave biomes like the Lush Caves and Dripstone Caves. Most of the blocks and mobs that can be found in these caves were introduced in Part 1 released earlier, but now can be discovered as a more natural addition to the world. There's also an overhaul of world generation. The way the world's generated is now significantly more diverse and visually interesting, while most of the more noticeably are alterations are for mountains and caves. These changes touch practically every inch of Minecraft's worlds. There's also approximately 50% more vertical space overall, a significant addition that means Minecraft's worlds are bigger all around. Major performance enhancements were also introduced to ensure the increased world size wouldn't detract from the experience. They also did a smoothening between the biomes, so if you have an old world, you won't see this gross, uh, ugly chunk border. You know, that you'll, you'll, it'll smoothen it out. It'll like try to make a jungle blend into a beach or, or a taiga or whatever uh, biome it is. Um, you also yeah, I mean- have everything uh, that was at Y0 uh, will now be a deep slate. And then uh, the new bedrock is at negative 64, and you even have higher up vertical by another 96 or 64 blocks. I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a long list. I mean, I only gave the yeah. briefest thing, but the thing is that the uh, the change list is is like a mile long on the. Uh... They they've in, yeah they've included all the biomes now, and uh, the only thing that isn't in there is the uh, deep uh, the deep dark uh, cities that'll be in. 1.19. I mean, they've but, also uh, changed the height of mountains, so now you have snow, yeah. a lot of more snowy stuff, like snowy pe- slopes, lofty peaks, snow-capped peaks, that sort of thing. Um, got different uh, lava and different water generation now. You have ores are generating in different levels, and they they also drop more. Copper drops more uh, when you use, uh, like, a fortune pick, for instance. So it's a very good idea to use fortune pick on all the ores now. Yeah, I mean, there's one item that did not make the cut that they're actually delaying, and that's archaeology. Yeah, I don't know what happened with that. They've been very quiet on it. They said but, it might not even make the wild update, so... Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, adding that kind of feature is tricky, because you want to, you know, you want to make the discovery surprising, and you don't want to make it obvious, you know, because then you have the idea of people just... You know, spamming, uh, spamming mobs and all that. You know, just 
I mean, you don't want people sort of like um, doing the equivalent of uh, of uh, of Bitcoin mining, you know? Yeah, I think what they should do is instead of having just any gravel or dirt be uh, mineable, it should be like a special like one that's like you know, you just say art of you know architects. Well, here, this is what's supposed to happen. There's supposed to be excavation sites that appear, and they have chests which contain brushes. Then use the brushes yeah, to you actually yeah. make the brush. But yeah, either find it or, or make the brush. But then maybe make the block a special block that's only found in the archaeological archaeological site. So there's only like maybe ten or twenty at most, and then you use them up, and that's it. Because the way they were doing it, it looked like any gravel or dirt could be have gems or, or uh, uh, clay pot parts in it and that might get, you know, broken. You know, you don't want everybody to have tons of blue ceramic shards or something. Yeah, so, you know, so you just have, like, archaeological dirt, you know, or site dirt or whatever, and there's only ten of them. So once you've gone through them, that's it. That's, or just you know, make them incredibly rare, like... That's what I mean. I know, I'm just rare. saying, but more of an Animal Crossing sort of thing in which there's only a specific time and a specific place and you know, very specific thing in which it'll appear, you know, for a limited amount of time, and you have to almost stumble upon it, sort of thing, you know. And how's that false ones? Like you'll see a thing which, oh, that might be archaeology, and you, uh, just just a cheap bone. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like the deep slate blocks. Uh, they're a nice addition to having you know dark stone blocks that I've been wanting for the longest time. Now, here's a question. Have you have you seen the change in your own world yet? Uh, not yet. I haven't done that. I'm going to check it out soon and see what it does because um, that will be really neat. Cause I, have, I have some uh, Y0 areas already excavated, so it will be interesting to see it suddenly turn into uh, Deep Slate and then go and dig further and see what else I can find, and hopefully find dripstone caves and luststone caves. Yeah, the dripstone caves looked really nice. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so some mob, uh, some mob spawning change. There was the glow squids only spawn at a certain level. Um, there's just a lot, a lot, of, a lot of changes. You have to check out the... They, they released uh, the, the, the version notes, that way you see what's in this one. Yeah. DJ, you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. I was afraid he might have fallen asleep. <laughs> well, he's not interested in Minecraft. No, no, no. It was something else. I heard something that sounded like snoring. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I, I've been awake. Okay. Anyways, uh, so look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, along with industry news and our gaming history articles. We enjoy feedback, so just come on to our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, it's up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us iTunes comments. Um, we're also going to be start talking about our games of the year and uh, certain things like that. I just got to get it organized for everybody to vote on stuff and also have their own personal picks. Um, I also surprised myself in which I'm really going after a new Samsung 4K TV because I saw the Quantum LED and it is fantastic and I want it because mm-hmm. I don't have my 4K TV does not have does not have HDR and the Quantum TV is just amazingly good and amazingly inexpensive relatively yeah, yeah. steam is doing its yearly uh vote for game of the year yep. game of story so they're doing their thing here's the thing um i put in potion uh the potion game oh damn what's it called potion craft 
uh, for best artistic. And what's interesting is that um, apparently Potion Craft is getting a lot of votes for for uh, for best artistic. I was surprised. So that how could you tell? Oh, because um, they because the uh, developers said that they were you know and said they were getting a lot of votes and they were encouraging people to continue voting for them. And I, you know, if you look at Potion Craft, it is really a unique looking game. I I voted for other games. I voted Eastward for visual style and Chichori for story rich and music uh, was Valentine. extremely easy. It was extre- yeah. it, it wasn't even it wasn't even a second thought. It was the artful it was the artful escape. Mm-hmm. And I might have done it for best visual too, except you can't vote you can't vote a game twice in the things. Yeah, but, I can, yeah, I can. Have either of you played the Artful Escape yet? No. Okay. I haven't either. It's considered a walking simulator, more or less. But uh, once you play it, you'll think it's extremely corny. But then it continues to get cornier and cornier and cornier, and it loops around to just awesome. Until you have the final scene in which you are jamming with a gigantic space jellyfish. And it is just awesome. And the ending of the game was surprisingly very satisfying. And it's one of those games in which I think it's going to be like like my Grim Fandango. I'm going to play it every so often. Just because, um, and the thing is that there's not much game there. It's just almost, it's almost a walking simulator. It's it's barely walking. It's almost a visual novel. You know, a little bit of uh, Guitar Hero thrown in. Very little guitar and, and it's just like it's it's worth it. It's just worth the look and the sound and the story, and it just I it, it's hard not to get invested in those in in the story and the characters and the music, which is why I said it's if I was to rank it as a game, I'd say it's not even as gamey as Minesweeper, but as an experience. I want to play this on a big screen TV with a huge speakers and just let it envelop you. Nice. Yeah. Anyways, um, we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all.